0: Welcome to Continuing the Conversation. I'm Carl Muzu, And I'm Glenn Collins. Fost Church is a community creating space for everyone to find hope, beauty, and purpose in the story of Jesus.
1: Continuing the Conversation is one of the ways that we are trying to create space for an expanded dialogue and interactions based on the conversations we are having at FOS Church. This week, Glenn led us through a conversation about learning to let go of our need to control and learn to lead from trust and vulnerability instead, based on his reflection from 2 Corinthians 12, verses 10 through 11. So Glenn, let's jump in. But before that, any thoughts on the message or, the, or, or 2 Corinthians uh, 10 through
0: 11? Actually, there, there was a point that I want to say, just because uh, for me, I don't know what your guys' stories are how you've experienced change and development. But it was really pointed um, in Paul's experience that the angst, the people he was wrestling with, the uh, super apostles, came from his own tradition. Because often I think that uh, trouble will come from outside or people I don't know, but the angst in his growth and development came from people who would say that they shared the same values, the same stories, and that it was within that difference of saying, I see something, that is possible, or I see a different potentiality in this moment that caused the angst between them. So this wasn't a moment of fighting between two different groups. It was actually, uh, the same people with the same value saying we understand how the hope could play out differently. And to me, that just made more sense in my own life of how, um, spiritual progress development and, um, how I've come to understand what the church could be has brought tension. Hmm.
1: No, that's good. That's good. Um, one thing, like, like, just kind of, I think, ties into that a little bit, um, was just my reflection. Like, when you were talking about like the letting go of control part, the part that there was a phrase I actually wrote it down. Um, tried to go verbatim, but I probably missed it a little bit. But you said this: uh, letting go of control makes us vulnerable as we enter into community, but that is the way the community is formed. And and, and I thought that that was a really pointed statement because a lot of times, um, at least in my own experience, entering into community is is some sort of kind of power dance, right? Versus this notion Mm -hmm. of actually, if you if you walk in expecting to be embraced and then willing to embrace others, it's actually how the community is formed. It's the power dance. it's, It's like the community doesn't happen until the power dance stops and we begin an actual dance of inclusivity and trust and vulnerability instead. And it's, like, it's a very different act. Um, so I, I love that you highlighted that as you walked into your message um, from this past Sunday.
0: Oh Yeah, that, um, and I'd say most of us, um, if, if anyone wants something to read during uh, COVID-19, Brene Brown does a lot of work on this because she talks about that notion that true community doesn't happen until we can let go of our defenses and our armor that cause us to um, fight in unhealthy ways without actually showing who we are. And then, yeah, when we first go into communities, often we're fully armored up because we have the 20 fights we've had in previous groups, different experiences that inform the way we hold ourselves that says, okay, I need to test you first to see if I can trust you. Um, and although let's, this is not to say there aren't places for boundaries and good, healthy boundaries, but when we approach communities, always from a nature of suspicion rather than trust. It severely um, hinders our ability to create space for each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's, it's, it's and it's telling because, like, in society, reality is is that a lot of us we've had experiences where trust is a really hard thing to actually lean into, and so leading with vulnerability um, is a hard thing to do. But I think the reward, to me at least, outweighs. Any any negative effect that it could possibly have, right? Like, but again, that's going from my experience, not somebody else's experience. Other people might have a different experience in that. But at the end of the day, any any possibility of seeing community formed still has to start with trust and vulnerability. Like, it, so no, no matter what our experiences are, um, you know, as you said, creating safe boundaries and different things like that. But we still need to lean into a place where it's like, even if it's a step of trust, it's 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 a movement in the right direction.
0: Yeah okay well um as we do every week we do a head heart and a hands question and this is three tiers of questioning to get us into a conversation the head is more of a conceptual based the heart is to where we reflect on what we've been discussing in order to say how does this intertwine with my story or how do i respond to it and the hands tries to push us towards the tangible how do i respond to or how do i enact some of the ways i've come to understand these things so to begin sorry i had to scroll down um the head question formational learning is paul leads from a place of weakness and vulnerability as he addresses the people in corinth what does leading from weakness and vulnerability look like
1: um well, we'll call it like well, based on on your message from from this past Sunday, um, like you walked us through uh, the idea of of what, what Paul talked about being content in all things, right? Like you talked about, like um, he was willing to be a fool, he was willing to, to 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 come in with powerlessness in order to lean into the community. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm willing to to be powerless for you, basically, to paraphrase whatever what it actually mm-hmm. says. So um, I would say, like to me, like what Paul would say, leading from weakness and vulnerability looks like leading first way by trusting God and trusting that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Trusting that that God's presence in the midst of that is actually a bonding agent for the community, right? That it's, it's not about whether we can have certain rules or anything like that necessarily, but saying that just being together is enough to have a formational basis for where we can go and, and that God is in the midst of that. God is working in the midst of that.
0: Um, I'd say in that with the notion of, of trust, that you have this part in um, Corinthians 12 that Paul names the offense because he goes through, I'm content in weakness, in trouble, in calamity. And he says because i can i can say it's on behalf of christ and then he uses the same verb that's used for um troubles and says i've become a fool and you've caused this trouble upon me um weakness is not just acceptance saying that whatever abuse you want to give me is is okay in this the the weakness and faith link because paul came in weakness Paul came saying, I can't control the outcome, but I can name the injustice. And the faith came in that I believe that showing up and naming the injustice creates the room to witness the power of God creates the room for the community to come back together. But the triggering effect is the naming of that injustice, the naming of the misstep so that we trust that we witness the power of God to bring back, to make whole and to be able to make room for that offense to actually be addressed. Mm. not just absorbed. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, I like one thing
1: that you said on Sunday, you said contentment. So being content with the troubles, Mm -hmm. being content with the different things. Contentment is not acceptance, right? And so contentment isn't just letting anything go. It's actually contentment is for Paul was actually naming the injustice, naming what took place um, and moving forward from that place, not just letting it go. Um, it wasn't just accepting that it happened, and so I thought that was a really powerful uh, pointer that you. I, don't, I think it was even an off-the-cuff remark to a question or something like that. <laughs> but I, but for me, that was just like that was like the the tweetable moment. If even if even use Twitter
0: anymore. <laughs> well, I would first have to have a Twitter account. So I'm up to date with 2008. Um, but in in, the, in these moments, we get to say like, this actually affects uh, for the conceptual framework like how we step into leadership amongst the church and how we honor each other's space. Because often, especially when you're in a point of leadership, you might see your role, rather than being facilitator, you're the gatekeeper. And as gatekeeper, you put everyone through the test of coming in or out. As gatekeeper, you become the last word in reading. Where what we see in um, this place is as facilitator, you can name where harm is being done but it's about bringing people into the conversation
1: hmm. um,
0: and always being aware because this is a, a very pointed thing that uh, Paul said in the passage is just previous to this naming. He said that I'd been um, flogged three times, hit with rods, five stoned once, which were all socially acceptable state sanctioned ways of correction and punishment. And then he ends in thirteen four by saying I embody weakness, just as Jesus in weakness was crucified and thereby enabled the power of God to come forth. So even in both weaknesses, he said, Christ by inaugurating this thing came in weakness, knowing full well that taking away the right to attack actually opens you up to, if other people don't realize that this is not a power game. Mm-hmm. This is about presence over control.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I want to. I want to go back to something that you just said when you you brought up the the language of gatekeeper versus facilitator, and I, and 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 that's I think that's something that we actually need to highlight um, because within community, I think the way that many of us have experienced, especially religious community, is from the perspective of the divine gatekeeper versus somebody who is a community facilitator, right? And I would say like the the key differences are like is the way that the questions are asked within the community, right? Because if questions are asked that demand a correct answer, so they're a litmus test to whether or not you belong, or are questions asked as a point of curiosity to basically beckon you to say, you know, beckon you to tell me your story in a sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so facilitators, they want to draw the story out of people. They want people to enter a conversation where the divine gatekeeper is like actually we want who gets to be in the conversation or not, or even you know, who gets to be in or out. And and those questions are designed then to to, to accomplish that task. And so um, I just I I thought like I thought it was interesting that you brought that up. And I think that's also a point of vulnerability because you know, like we use the language like we'll always talk about the like we we talk about the sacredness of questions within folks and that questions are a beautiful thing. But at the same time, like reality is, is that questions can be used as a trap or a snare. Um, but they can also be used as a tool of liberation. And we always want to move to that place of liberation because that's the place of weakness and vulnerability, actually. And that's the place where others, in that place of weakness and vulnerability, it creates space for others to find liberation.
0: Absolutely. And I'd say um, it's good to note, like in the same way, questions can be weaponized because we'll use them to make it seem like we're being polite, make it seem like we're only after truth. Because we say, know we just really want to know. But it's a setup. We realize that if I ask question A, I can get to question B, which is where I know I have you on the ropes. The same can be be said because Paul is saying, I have come in weakness, not that you must come to me in weakness. So as soon as it becomes something that we project onto the other, it can be something that we exemplify. Um, If you are with us last week where we talked about the mimetic response, it can be something that you, you trigger that ability for others to imitate, but it can't be something you demand of. Because that once more has you in the guise of, um, being in weakness and powerlessness to where you come in and say, no, that's not how we're going to structure it. But as soon as we step into that role, say, now I demand this of you, it shows that it it was just a polite guise in the same way that questions can be weaponized. The notion of powerless can be weaponized if it's only demanded of never required of Mm. yourself.
1: That's great, because that would actually be a step, that would be the antithesis of powerlessness, right? If you were projecting powerlessness onto somebody else, you would actually step into the role of power broker.
0: Well, but that's been, I'd say that's been the way that I've experienced this sort of language most of the time around the church, is we talk about the powerless, um, the peacemaker, but it typically is from a person in a key position saying you have to obey me because. So we're the powerless kingdom as long as you all agree with me. And so it, it turns into almost a passive aggressive maneuvering, to say I have a very polite way. It's kind of the um, the old saying of a uh, brick in a velvet glove.
1: Mm. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because I think within society that's often the way that we actually see the role of the peacemaker, um, right? Like think that, just think uh, like police officers, right? Mm-hmm. They they're constables of the peace or whatever they, whatever you want to call them, um, and peace is only. Is only found at the end of, of of power, in that sense, right? Like they want you to be peaceable, um, but they're allowed to use force, idea, right? And I think so. That's, like, I think that's how, as a society, we actually would see the notion of powerlessness or weakness. Um, it's it's almost always projected to the other person, um, and I and I don't even yeah. think that's just a religious thing. I think that's a cultural thing, um, and it'd be really cool to be able to see that happen from the uh, antithesis. Like if peacemaking was actually about. Um coming in a sense of like I don't have the power in the midst of this, um and I think that's place probably the place that we can actually begin to seek true peace
0: yeah, because this this sort of thing does spill out into multiple um this isn't just a, a religious church question, it is a very much systemic society functioning question because say the last job I had it it was a smaller company, so they would talk about how we don't have titles because we all sit around the table and we can discuss. But that was only said by one person who would then leave. And, um, that notion of powerless or titlelessness allowed each person to overstep in everybody else's, um, except for me because I was a low man on the totem pole. So I effectively went from having one boss to three who could all undercut because we we have no title. Which meant everybody then grabbed title. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't function well if each person doesn't actually have place at the table to name, to speak, to question. The same way weakness doesn't function well if one person wants to come in swinging. Mm-hmm.
1: No, definitely. Hmm. Um, maybe like a, a question in the in the mix of that. Is like in, in in your message you had said you had a, a where you talked about God who like we serve or we follow a God who works from weakness and powerlessness, um, and and I think like maybe like from the idea of of model or or type in a mm-hmm. sense, how do we begin to actually look at that as a type or a model and and then begin to emulate that, begin to see that mm-hmm. as something that okay well. If God works this way, and we don't see God as like the, the divine power broker of the universe, but we see God as, as as with and and through powerlessness and weakness as present, um, how can we begin to emulate that? If, if that
0: makes sense. Oh, it, it makes sense. It's just a big question. Um, like I'd I'd say on small scales the way we emulate this because because if we understand, and again, I'd, I'd say this notion of leadership is dangerous. Um, For us as a posture because like it says literally in the text that because of this posture Paul was left for dead a few times because of this posture Christ was executed by the state from coming into a place of powerlessness into systems of power is going to bring um, severe conflict because people replicate the systems they know So if we know power and maneuvering, we can put newer names to it. But still, it's power broker games. It's gatekeeper games. Um, For us to emulate one who would come and be executed by the state rather than execute the state, um, we have to be very cautious that when we hold the powerlessness as a posture for ourselves to say that uh, I will come without the ability to absolutely demand what you do. that, that doesn't mean we don't have boundaries in our lives for health and safety, but it does relieve me of the place, like, especially around religious, my religious experience, that when I meet with you, uh, when we discuss things, when we start to plan things out that I let go of the expectation that your story has to sound exactly like mine and where we differ rather than trying to spin it or to bring you back around rather than trying to use questions to get you to realize that I'm correct. I use questions to explore how you got there and what you saw of God there, because in that way we could sit around the table and say there's space for each of our voices. Um, with one caveat, each of our voices, as long as we don't use our space to start abusing. Like that's the only thing I think that we should correct to is actual tangible abuse. That when we witness uh, true crimes like what Paul did, when he witnessed. A true abuse he said you have forced me to become the fool you have done this and let that sit in the community so it's not a matter of us just saying creating the space stepping in weakness means that abuses go unnamed unchecked um unidentified it's saying that we we stay together at the table and we name the abuse that you cannot because you've taken away the dignity the humanity the purpose the voice of
1: mm. that's good that's good so how how does like how do we begin to engage this though like when we when we begin to walk through questions of like privilege and marginalization right because we have people who are already dispossessed of power um and to tell them no no you need to be powerless (laughs) um and they're already coming from a space of marginal being marginalized in in that way and then but and it's often Reality is it's often people who come from a place of privilege who start these kind of conversations around weakness and powerlessness. Um, oh, I... I yeah, so how, how do we begin to address that?
0: No, I completely agree. Um, in the same way I experienced within the church to say that people in power positions that said, um, you need to accept um, your powerlessness, it was always securing their own powered place. and that becomes difficult, uh, society wide. Yeah. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine who does, some um, work with like, um, feminist groups. And she had said that what she would love to see is, um, men holding men responsible. She said it should not fall to, um, women to educate men on the abuses of women all the time. They said at some point men, she said, especially when it comes to these situations that, aggressive men typically only listen to other men. It's like, so even when a woman speaks up, their voice is dismissed as woman. Mm-hmm. She said it, it takes those who come from the place of privileged position to speak to those in privileged position. So let's say if we're talking about a, um, the social systems that one, I actually do think it is the responsibility of those within a privileged position to start to point out and highlight privilege. But not to be able to soapbox to where i can say look how woke i am but actually say i've come from a privileged position um i'll create some space for a voice that's not mine and by creating that space we can start getting more narratives going or even when we speak um we can name our privilege as we speak and that way at least at at the lowest bar the most minimal statement we can come forward and recognize that maybe everything wasn't because i'm just so awesome there were points where society championed me at the cost of you
1: mm-hmm. so but so how do we but how do how do we take like like we, we take even a step beyond that mm-hmm. and like move to a place of actually like on one sense, weakness and powerlessness, mm-hmm. I think, is, is is a posture that we need to come from. But like actually, as we embrace that posture, it's actually an, an empowering thing to those who are actually who who are dispossessed and 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 powerless as well, right? It, 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 there's there's this uh, reciprocal thing that ends up happening there. The power dynamics begin to shift um, because, like you as you said, you create space for for those for other voices at mm-hmm. the ta- at the t- other uh, uh, sorry. You create spaces for other voices at the table, and sometimes those voices don't come in as meek, in a sense, as we would want them to, and and, and it can feel very abrasive, and, and 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 like it's almost like they're reaching for power, if that makes sense.
0: Oh no, no, I okay, I hear you now. Um, yeah, uh, the first time you learn to speak or you start to speak up, it can come from a place of woundedness that. Um, can become hostile simply because, uh, as a, fr- a friend I worked with told me, um, because I was young and I was promoted before I should have been. He's like, he said he had a hard time trusting me cause he's like, you're just another young white guy who got put to a position ahead of, um, I worked with a lot of Mexicans at the time. He said, all these working Mexican men. And he was right. Um, it's cause I, I knew the groups running it and I did get promoted ahead of, ahead of other people that were deserving. Um, So he actually had moments of volatility. And yeah, in these conversations, when you first start to name these moments of volatility, it's gonna come off super aggressive. So I'd say the same way um, for Paul, that he said, I come in weakness, and he allowed space for the other people to make him look like a fool. Most of the time, I have found in these conversations that what we say is, well, we need to all come in weakness right now, and so I'm gonna project it onto you. And then I'm going to dictate what it looks like. So I'd say for these conversations, and it's hard. Um, the more social justice conversations I've been a part of, the first time I, I heard of privilege um, being a working class blue collar white kid who uh, started in labor trades when I was 14. As like it was hard for me to hear some of it because like I hear some of this privilege, but honestly, like I got my first truck by purchasing my dad's old work truck that was already 15 years old at the time and I built a couple houses to do it like I started working at um, 14 and had multiple jobs by the time I hit 16 like so hearing some of those privileged things like it takes a moment to sit in it can be jarring for you however once you start being able to see once you witness some of it um, it becomes this place that you realize as people have room to speak that I can only say I can come in in powerlessness And if you make me look like a fool for a minute, if you make me become the fool and becoming a fool doesn't mean I am stupid. Um, In this point in Corinthians, he was actually saying, you're making me debase myself by insisting on my right as an apostle. You're making me do this extra work of saying you should listen to me that if I'm being um, seen as the personified enemy because I represent something that's been hostile, that I actually let myself be made a fool. For a minute, so that I can witness, as he said, from weakness we witness the power of God. So I would have to actually create space to allow some of that to get poured on me, um, and try to exemplify some of the weakness. Like if it becomes truly abusive, I I'll probably have to name that and say, hey, um, you're actually now starting to make personal attacks on me. Like that, that's not healthy to what we're trying to build. But if it if it's I'm more of a projection screen that they're uh getting us some of the first times they can speak this angst then i probably want to embrace the weakness and say okay um let's let's try to sit with this for a bit that we can witness the power of god bring restoration
1: mm, that's, that's good man that's good hmm. well yeah um I know, I know for myself that, like, as as I've been trying to, like, just processing that question, like, I can think of like some very specific incidences. As someone, you know, coming from a multi-ethnic background, um, but also having more, much more, resonate, uh, resonating a lot more with the black experience, um, and dealing with police brutality and things like that, I have a, a healthy skepticism of positions of power, and and that, and that can come across as being anti-authoritarian and like to the point where i used to joke with people like you know what i mean like oh i'm kind of an anarchist i'm just anti-authoritarian and not realizing that that in 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 that was me coming across trying to grab power actually right it's like if i say that i'm 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 anti-authoritarian or i say that i'm an anarchist well then i'm going to dispossess you of power but i'm going to grab it for myself right and, and it took like different people, you know, challenging that that notion for me, to begin to actually see the ways that I was participating in that cycle of, of well, you know, I'll take your power, you take my power, I'll take your power, you take my power, kind of notion versus actually stepping out and saying we need a new paradigm of what power looks like, and you know, you know, what I mean, like I use the language of upside down kingdom, you know what I mean? Um, so, if, if if power in the kingdom. It looks a lot more like weakness and vulnerability than it does looks looking like like the powerful that we would see and we would call people we would call powerful in our society today and that and that for me has really been a really big challenge as I've tried to answer those questions of like privilege and marginalization because I would say i, I felt more marginalized in my life, and anytime that I had the opportunity to get power, um it came across like I wanted to smash you for being for for forever putting me in a place where I felt powerless
0: um I'm just curious. Uh in that because just because i've known you for years that um some of these things seem like that in the the first learning the first um trying to say i can name this reality caused you to almost go into a caricature um a a, almost a pseudo front of what it meant for you to say i'm stepping into as you said the um resonance you had with your uh the black experience that wouldn't actually be true to who you were that there was a a way of stepping in if that makes sense
1: um yeah it, it does and i think often like when you feel powerless we begin to pick up the personas of the people that we think are powerful right and so um especially i would say for like for, for black men like you know you have the whole black macho kind of thing that that that, that, that is around and a lot of that, I think, is that personification of, like, I've been made to feel powerless, therefore, in the spheres where I can exert power, I'm going to be Mr. Powerful kind of idea, right? Um, and I think, yeah, we do pick it up like a caricature. We pick it up um, like something that we put on, um, but in, in the sense, it becomes one more thing that we actually need to be liberated from, right? In order to find our true voice, in order to find our true selves, we actually have to move past not just feeling powerless, but also the the quest to try to become mr powerful in the mix of it
0: i would say this is a great point to transition to the um heart question because and because i actually want you to unpack something here is name a time that you needed to address conflict um and i would have that framed and you've come to be able to represent yourself and still some ideas of racial inequality the um different experiences in canada of going through like um since i'm from america because i'm white people will often come up and they know one of us is not from here and we'll, we'll turn to Carl and be like so what part of the states do you come from and he was born and bred here so it's but it's just the assumed experience of in this area white means local um, in moving from a caricature to actually something to where you can hold space at the table and embody some of the powerlessness how have you been able to more constructively um, step into naming those conflicts
1: hmm that's a good question um, I think for for myself man um, in this season I, it's something I'm actually still trying to work work through because I think there's moments where I, I kind of pendulum swing where I'm, I'm I'm you know kind of the vocal activist and then kind of the passive I just don't care I'm just kind of apathetic in in the mix of it um, Cause like 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 just certain experiences that come to mind like where you how do I put it Um, my experience no it's not gonna work Um, okay I can't remember who said this but 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 it's something that's sticking in my head right now was that quite often um, if 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 you if you feel that you have to hide who you are in order to come to the table then you're not truly welcome at the table right and. Hmm. That was something that that's, that's resonating with me in this season because I think like before I would have just told you I'm gonna smash the table take the table from you you know in naming the conflict you know in mm-hmm. naming that thing um then I kind of moved into a season where well well let me just sit at the table and eventually people will be like Carl's a nice guy he belongs here with us almost you know what I mean so like the passive observer idea into actually saying like no like um it, it, the moments that the like like I'm gonna bring who I am at the table, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually create I'm gonna allow people to reject me from that table if they don't really want me there, um, but I'm okay with that because I think we're learning the ability to create new tables, and and in doing so, um, we're creating a more generative and a more generous type of space that can be more inclusive. So um, I'm gonna sit down. And I'm going to name the injustice if I can. I'm going to to name the pieces the places of conflict if I can. Um, some of them are like you know like I, when I say if I can I mean more to the idea of as I'm aware of them. Because we're not often aware of the conflict. We're not often aware of the ways that we're being oppressed um, or, or oppressing others even. You know, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like, so so when we come to a place where we become aware of the conflict, we need, to, we need to begin to name it. We need to begin to address it. And often, just reality is, is that, that that runs the risk of rejection, but it also runs the risk of acceptance. But it also, and then, but I would say in all of that, it, it creates a more generative space.
0: Well, actually I'd, I'd push there a little bit because mm. it runs the risk of rejection, but rather than running the risk of acceptance, it's the only way possible to create acceptance. That w- without that moment, um, that the power, the ability for reconciliation for presence cannot exist.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and, I, and I think we're saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. I just I was just using a poetic juxtaposition of language, but I would agree with you 100% yeah. in that.
0: Oh, no, I, I knew you did. It's just more yeah. making it emphatic for the sake of um, at times when we just leave it in possibility rather than named potential, we'll free ourselves from, okay, both of these avenues are possible. I don't know which one, so maybe or maybe not. One is a maybe the other one can't exist without, um, that's it. So with this, that you've named these, um, conflicts in, in this way of coming to the table, um, it, it sounds a bit like what, what Paul said there, of, I've allowed you to make me a fool because I see something better. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he, he said on behalf of Christ and that's uh, for Paul, that's always in reference, to the way he would speak of new creation, the, the world that's possible, but not here yet. Because we all know that an open table to where everyone can show up and be themselves and um, not be abused or ostracized is a beautiful theory. Um, in my life, I've never actually seen it, but we're trying to build it. Like, and we recognize that tension. And part of recognizing that tension is recognizing our own powerlessness, the fact that we, we come in that weakness that got Christ crucified. We, we can't make the world that would respond to the message easily. Um, like that point though, of, of in your own story coming and saying, I'm willing to be the fool for the hope that the potential could be, have you been able to, uh, have you been able to help yourself step into that? Cause that's not an easy process to be able to, to go from a place that you said you're a bit more strongly stated that you're like, I'm going to take the table to the point of, I'm going to be present, even at the risk of me being the fool.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's. Um, I think for 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 me, um, without without trying to trying to like trivialize it in a sense, mm-hmm. um, it's honestly like as I began to read the the biblical narrative and I began to resonate with the life of Jesus. Um, it really began to shift the way that I, I thought. Um, it began to shift my need for power to my, to a need to identify with Christ, who, who in powerlessness allowed himself to be crucified. And, and, I, and I think that for, the more that we begin to identify with Christ versus having Christ identify with us, Right, and, I, and, I, and I, what I mean by that is that quite often is that we begin to make a version of Jesus that looks a lot like us, agrees like with us, and wants the same things we want versus um, beginning to shape ourselves into the image of Christ instead, or using Michael J. Gorman's term, uh, becoming cruciform, you know, you know, becoming the cruciform Just Christ.
0: For anyone who's not reading Michael J. Gorman, the notion of cruciformity or cruciform is the act of being shaped into the image of the cross, the
1: crucified Christ? Yes.
0: Um,
1: so, yeah, and, and and I and I, w- I would say that the that in that sense, um, cruciformity has really been working on me, which has allowed me to come to the table and say, okay, um, I can I can I, I I don't you know I can be at the table even to the point of death, maybe not death, but even to the point of rejection, even mm-hmm. to the point where it hurts. Um, but that's something that I can do. It's not something, and, 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 and it's by emulating Christ. It's not something that I'm saying everyone must do this, right? Like, and I think that's, and that's a key key shift. in something we were, what we we're talking about, just alluding to what we we're talking about earlier, is that like we all have to make that decision. We all have to allow ourselves to be, you know, to be confronted by the cross and have those effects in our lives versus trying to otherwise you know because if we we want people to be cruciform and it can happen in one of two ways it can happen in the fact that we allow ourselves to be shaped in the image of christ or we end up putting people on crosses right and and we don't want to do the latter we don't want to be the person people that are putting people on crosses and and quite often um the the whole power dynamics at the table ends up with people being put on crosses not voluntarily
0: well um one of my favorite profs uh Mark Heim said, um, like for all the classes you take, all the things teachers say, 99% of that just goes away while you're playing on social media in class. But he took a moment to pause and said that we need to recognize the faith of Christianity is the faith that keeps the cross empty. Because the once for all sacrifice means we can no longer scapegoat, abuse, or use power to force somebody else to die.
1: Yeah, wow, that's beautiful, yeah. It's beautiful. All right, well with that, man, I think well, we should jump to the next question. Um, and the next question is, what is different when I invest myself into community, starting with vulnerability rather than control or defense?
0: That was part two of
1: Heart. Did you Sorry, what? That wasn't part two
0: of Heart. It, I'm looking at the list, it is. Oh, that, that is part two of Heart, yes. Yes, it is. So do we want to go to hands because we've been a bit... Do no, we well, want to chop well, well. this one section out that we're awkwardly talking over the changing of questions? Um, no, I'll
1: leave this in for the podcast because it shows how real and raw we are. It's authentic.
0: Well, that hurts <laughs> me a little bit.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm joking. Um, well, okay, let's... Let, let, um, Well, I think, like, I think, like, let's just do, have a brief answer for that question, because I think it's actually an important question. Okay. So, um, yeah, so, so why don't you just start? Okay.
0: At um, first, to uh, something that you had said, just responding to your own narrative. Is I'd like to mark the difference, just because I get into this uh, trope a bit with, with Brittany, to where she's trying to say, what is it to hold on to your power as a woman in a world that constantly tries to take it? is when we say powerless, um, Carl's naming his sense of he can come in power of himself to say, I will present myself when he said, I will come to the table, I have control of me. The powerlessness we see in the scripture is taking away our ability to have power over somebody, not power within ourselves. So we have the freedom to name ourselves, to understand ourselves, and say, I will be present. What we're letting go of is power over those around to control circumstance.
1: Uh, yeah, that's a great thing to, to point out, because um, it's definitely uh, that's a, yeah, it's a good thing to point out, man.
0: Yeah, just I know um, in those conversations with Brittany, often these things can, when she hears it from positions to where she's been told that boys will be boys when they follow catcall, do those things, she's like um, she's like she's like, I hear this as a way that I should just be okay with yeah. the, the idea of victimization.
1: Yeah, I think that was a great point that you brought up. And I think like it's the limitation of language that we have, right? That we use words um, that have a synonymous range in a sense, but, but we could actually use more specific words. And I think maybe instead of saying power, we could talk about agency, right? And so what we're actually saying is that you have the agency to come to the table, but we refuse to limit anyone else's agency right? That might be another way to, to frame that, um, where power it, it is synonymous with the word agency, but it's not necessarily as specific, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay.
0: But coming into the question you asked of what is the difference uh, for myself when I come to the community starting from vulnerability rather than starting from a sense of control or defensiveness, and at least for myself, it comes with a idea of do I approach the group with a um, almost a hermeneutic of suspicion or an idea a hermeneutic of trust?
1: So you want to explain hermeneutic? I
0: was going to, <laughs> like, because um, hermeneutics is the way that you read something, and so when you're reading the room with a hermeneutic of suspicion, you're looking for any clue, any hint that could say they're against me. Um, I'd say actually a fun, a funny story with, with a friend who had mentioned that, um, when he's a, when he's token that he's like all his white friends would ask him a certain t- kind of question. I laughed cause I assumed my whiteness wasn't that kind of whiteness. And he looked at me and goes, no, you're my friend. You do that all the time, but I know you're my friend. I was like, Oh, cause I thought I was cooler than that. It turns out I'm not, <laughs> but because, <laughs> He read my overstepping as a um, sense of, I am a friend. I am loyal. You can trust. It allowed for breaches of protocol, things that in other situations would have made him instantly put guards up uh, because he trusted me. And that actually showed me the way I enter into a room. If I'm coming from vulnerability that I, I want to be honest, let you see me. But with a hermeneutic of trust that says, I'm going to read the situation with the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say that your questions are actually questions to know me, so I'll do my best to answer them well, rather than questions to examine me, not from a hermeneutic of suspicion to where I say, okay, I know what game you're bringing in, so Mm. I I have my um, avoidant questions or the ability to stick and move to to make sure it's redirected. Mm.
1: That's good, that's good. I think like like I I would say something very similar to what you're saying Um, and maybe to quote Brene Brown again since you know it doesn't work unless we have at least two quotes from Brene Brown Uh is uh, clarity is kindness in the mix of that and and I'm going to use it slightly different than how Brene Brown would probably use it but it's one of those phrases that stuck with me and I think often we become unclear not because we don't know what we're saying but if we can muddy the waters, people can't see us clearly. People can't, like, like you know what I mean? And so when we're insecure about who we are or or, or whether we're going to be accepted, we often muddy the water so that it makes it pretty hard to peg us down. At least I know I do that for myself. And so the clearer that I become is actually a sense of of, of, of belonging. Like, like I, I become more clear the more I feel I belong in something, the more confident I become in, in that sense. And so when we talk about the notion of creating community from a place of vulnerability, um, it's it's that place of trust that, that when I show up and I'm clear about who I am, um, I, I I hope I, I I anticipate being accepted versus anticipate being rejected. Okay. And I think when I come with in, with control and defense, it's often because I anticipate being rejected, and so I'm going to control how people see me. I'm going to control how the table moves in order to make sure that I can secure a place there. But if I come from a place of vulnerability instead, then I'm coming with an openness to say, this is who I am, this is how I am, this is, you know, all those different things. And, and I trust that, that in that, um, my presence, my, my, my presence, my, my full presence is accepted in that space.
0: And I was like, and if you notice in both of our answers in this, we phrased it differently, but really what we're saying is when we come defensively to a group, why Please. are you wait explaining for
1: me, man? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> no, start, start again. My bad. <laughs> no,
0: Leave that in. That's awesome. Uh, is that we, we're both saying that we already know what the other person will answer? So a hermeneutic of suspicion, or um, the idea of being unclear, is we assume the other person's answer, and so we're having a fight that the other person hasn't even become a part of yet, because we know it has to go one direction. We almost have made relationship completely overdetermined. So I know as soon as you see me, there's only two things you could do. And that dilemma to the possibility of us seeing a better future. Man,
1: awesome, man. Um, I think, I, like, I know we do have, we, ha- we have another question, but we've actually gone on for pretty long already. Um, And I feel like we've kind of answered that third Mm -hmm. question, like how do we empower yourself or others to face uncomfortable conversations from a place of (laughs) vulnerability? I feel like we've answered that as we've gone through this. So I feel like it's a great place to maybe sum up what we talked about and then wrap up from there. So why don't you give us a a quick summary?
0: So I'll step back into Blaine for you. (laughs) Is we we found within the head question of, How do we lead from a place of weakness and what does leading from weakness and vulnerability look like? That we, we discuss the notion that we have power in ourselves, but not power over somebody else that we have agency, but not control of our circumstance and being willing to step into that moment of agency or that power in ourselves rather than over someone, we make room for restoration in the power of God. Because, as Paul said, that he was responding to Jesus, who was crucified in weakness, and through him, the power of God was made known. Then, stepping into the, the heart, where we discussed the notions of the difference between investing ourselves into a community, starting with vulnerability rather than control or defense, we discovered that when we assume people's answers, or when we think that we already know the way things can play out, we become defensive and we keep our woundedness because it can never be exposed to the air it can never be treated but that in allowing ourselves to be seen quoting Carl and Brene Brown that to be clear to be kind to show kindness to each other we allow ourselves to be present and seen in the community always knowing that we run the risk of being rejected but in that risk of rejection we hold the potentiality for God to come in power and to make a community
1: all right. And so with that, we just want to thank you for, for joining us and for um, just joining in on the conversation, continuing the conversation with us. And we hope that you would join us in other spaces for FOS as well. And you can find all the ways to connect with us at FOS.church or www.fos.church. That's fo And we would love for you to connect with us. Bless.